Welcome to Conversations with Pussy. This is a podcast which holds liberating and empowering conversations about sexuality, pleasure and healing. We're focused on supporting all vagina owners to feel free and excited about having a loving and soulful relationship with their pussy. I'm your host, Grace Hazel. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Conversations with Pussy. In this episode, I will be having a conversation with Jeremy Indica. Jeremy is an incredible human being who I have got to meet in real life. And it's Jeremy's work to share his story about childhood sexual abuse online. And he is also an activist as he raises awareness for childhood sexual abuse online too. Now, this conversation is a little bit different to usual. I have taken out the question structure because I really wanted to invite Jeremy to speak and to share his story without me putting it into boxes of my questions. So what I would like to say is that this podcast episode carries a trigger warning because we will be speaking quite in depth about childhood sexual abuse. This episode includes conversations that are really impactful and real. It may be supportive for folks who have experienced childhood sexual abuse in their life. However, if that is you, please do go super carefully if you choose to listen. Jeremy speaks to me about his story experiencing childhood sexual abuse. He speaks about remembering the abuse that he had received as he was becoming an adult. He speaks about confronting his abuser and the experience of then his abuser taking him to court for doing so. We speak about how Jeremy released his voice and began to speak up about childhood sexual abuse. First of all, by getting up on stage in front of a room full of people and bringing his experience into spoken word. Jeremy also shares with us his vision for the future and how he wishes his work to grow and evolve in order to gain more awareness and more education for adults and for children. It is my biggest intention that you listen to Jeremy's words and experience and you receive inspiration from the braveness of this man. It is such a pleasure to know Jeremy and I'm really looking forward for you to get to know him too. So without further ado, let's get stuck into this amazing conversation goodness Jeremy thank you so much for coming on to series two of conversations with pussy before I get to bring your voice into this space I just want to um first of all say to the listeners that this is a really really important episode for me to record and personally last year as I was wrapping up series one I could feel that I was yarning on at the end of the series about a few things And I could sense deep inside me that I really wanted to bring something to the forefront, which was to speak about the the subject of sex, but all of the things that come in with that, which can be around abuse, around trauma, because it's a really real subject, which generally can get swept under the rug. So... When I met Jeremy, I was on a plant medicine ceremony um, retreat. We were on a weekender and um, it was such a 
a, a healthy, refreshing moment when we were sat in Circle, Jeremy, and you began to share your story. And previous to that, I'd been listening to some wonderful cosmic psychedelic shares about past life experiences and energetic clearings. And then you opened your mouth and it was like my whole being just switched on and said, I need to listen to this man and his story is really, really important. And so, as I said, it's like a great honor to have your voice here on the podcast because you made such an impact on me just having conversations when you shared, but also the conversations we were having during the weekend just felt so empowered and amazing and real. And to be able to bring your voice and your wisdom and your experience to the listeners of Conversation with Pussy is just, I'm, I'm super excited and super grateful that you said yes. Thank you for having me, really. Thank you. Mm, okay, so where to get started? <laughs> well, what I'd like to do, first of all, is um, open up to talk about the work that you're doing, firstly, because that can be a great opening into why you do what you do. Um, so let's, let's open up there. When I first met you and I told you what I did, you said, do you do that for men? And I was like, huh. <laughs> no, I don't. And you said, well, I'm actually doing something along those lines. And so please speak to me, speak to the listeners about what it is that you do. What do you show up for? So, yeah, that was great when we both introduced each other um, and we found out we were doing something along the same lines, speaking openly about um, topics that are stigmatized. Probably one good way of an overview of that initial conversation. And I am currently on a project of raising awareness for child sexual abuse in particular. And I'm doing that through sharing my own story online and also trying to create content that opens discussions about the various areas of the topic. Um, I feel that it's so important that, that this is done. And I feel that I'm also in a position um, to do so because I have experience, lived experience through this situation. And um, if anybody sees my work, it's all it's quite outspoken. Um, but it wasn't always like this, of course. Uh, when this all started, I would say mm, I would say it all started when I was in my mid twenties, um, when I first spoke out about the abuse to a close friend um, and since that day that I spoke out and felt an incredible release felt like there was a big relief um, weight had been lifted off my shoulders that's I suppose when my speaking out started really happening um, I felt a huge amount of confidence and enthusiasm about myself when I spoke out for the first time and that encouraged me to continue speaking out. And then fast forward 10 years later, we're now here and I'm really trying to, trying to get something off the ground in raising awareness for child sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And I love what you just said that actually right now, and um, we'll make sure that your Instagram page and all your links are included yeah. in this podcast so, so people can go over and, and check it out. But from, from my experience of the messages that you land on your social media account on Instagram, they are really straightforward, clear, concise 
impactful words that feel like you know you, you've got to take a, a moment to swallow them to really let them settle because they're powerful and tracking back all those years let's go you know when you said that you mm -hmm. shared for the first time about childhood sexual abuse and I can imagine prior to that, it's almost like when we don't speak out about these huge experiences that we've been carrying with us through life, that first ever time when we open our mouth and say, I've been abused, I've been sexually abused as a child, how much much must come with that experience of sharing it for the first time out loud. So the way that now that's, that's come into develop in the way that you speak now, I feel is such a incredible journey of almost, it's like a reclamation. When we start to yeah. talk about those stories, we start to reclaim our story and then we can go out and start to help others by talking about these things that aren't Absolutely. That often. Absolutely. And I'm very passionate about communicating or, or you're communicating the fact that actually what happened to us whatever age we are, any, any kind of traumatic experience, it was not our fault. And we had nothing to do with it happening. So actually, we, I'm, I'm passionate about trying to make way into actually feeling some sort of proudness that you came through that and now you're on the other side of it and feeling strong about that situation. Um, I'm, I, I really want to open, I really want to talk about this subject in a in a empowering way where possible where possible so if it feels comfortable okay to do so and i feel like you you speak about it a lot so perhaps it, it will be an okay space to do so i'd love to to hear more about what it is you know we're talking about child abuse here but really what happened for you when you were younger and um not only just like the experience of it happening, but really how that impacted you as a child, impacted you as a teenager, impacted you as, a, as an adult growing up. So actually the sexual abuse that was going on was happening when I was around eight or nine years old. And it was a babysitter that I had when my parents were at work. And he must have been around 25 at that time. So he was a young man, again, another, stereotype that we need to break down we you know the media has portrayed sexual predators of children to be old men sitting behind their computer lonely sad men but we need to really open the conversation and start erasing these stereotypes so the abuse went on for a number of years and then stopped and i'm not sure how exactly it stopped but it stopped now what I feel is very interesting is actually, once the abuse finished, I continued as the outgoing, energetic, confident child that I was before. I, had, um, I was very lucky to have a great set of friends at school. I was very outspoken in class. I was achieving at school, into sport. And so actually, it was almost like my life just continued. Now, as I get into my teenage years, everything is still the same. Achieving at school, playing lots of sport, having great time with my friends. When we look back at who I was, let's say 12, 13, 14, there was nothing really 
alarming in my personality that would anybody would have been able to recognize as effects of sexual abuse. Yes, I was aggressive at times. Yes, I was boisterous. Yes, I was very hyperactive, you know? And yes, I, ha I, I would get my temper tantrums, etc. cetera. Um, but nothing um, out of the norm to any other boy. Now, it was only when I was 24 years old, which is um, 15 years after the abuse actually happened, that the memories started coming in. So prior to that, I hadn't forgotten about the abuse. I never forgot about it. Something would come up on the news that would remind me of it. Somebody would say something in passing that would remind me of it. And it would disturb me for a brief moment but I would just continue whatever I was doing. It, it didn't stick with me at all. Then at 24, I started remembering, uh, but I started having memories. And I was thinking, core, I can't believe they're back. Like I'm 24, I had a good job, I was an engineer, I had a good career, I was working for a good company. I had the same friends that I had since school, things were going excellently and I was kind of talking to the memories and being like no 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 you've been okay for all of these years don't come back leave me alone we're good so I actually spent the next three years trying to push these memories away I thought the best strategy that I could have was to fight them push them away and eventually they'll disappear but I found myself three years later in a worse position. Um, I was having bouts of sadness, bouts of feeling low. They would last for hours. They would come out of nowhere, in the middle of a party, in the middle of dinner. And then I realized, oh, this, is, this really isn't working. Um, I need to do something about this. I didn't and, know what. And did you at the time when those pieces started coming up, because I, I feel for loads of folks, there's a sense of, because when those things have happened and um, we start to just go, actually, I don't, really don't want to deal with that and push it to the side and um, push it down. It's almost like, and I, I know this feeling of like something will pop up into your mind and you're like, oh, oh, oh. And I remember doing it as a child myself and going, I don't want to look at that and really, it's almost like pushing it down into the subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So when it started popping up, I'm hearing you that you were kind of like, nah, I'm not, I'm not looking at that. But then when you started experiencing those physical, emotional symptoms that were arising when you were around 24, did you connect it to what had happened when you were a child? Could you see the link or were you a bit confused? What, was it clear for you? It was not clear. The start of it was bouts of sadness and feeling low. And I was thinking, oh, this is a bit unusual. This isn't the same as normal. What's that about? And then as time went on, that's when it, when it clicked. I'm not sure how long after, but it clicked. Ah, I think it's to do with that. Surely it can't. And then you have this process of denial. Somebody once told me a very, very excellent metaphor. And that is when something happens to you when you're a youngster, that you, are, you do not have the maturity to process at that time, what your mind does is it puts it in a box, locks it, puts it to the back of your mind, because it needs to be dealt with at some point, but just not now. And then as you 
get older and develop as a person, it will introduce the box to you when it knows you're ready. And that, that, that metaphor kind of fits exactly, exactly to my story. Mm-hmm. So the box was almost rattling and yeah. rattling yeah. your emotions <laughs> and being like, hello, there is something to yeah. deal with now, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what it did, and and it was undeniable. It was unavoidable. Um, it became unavoidable, and that's when I was twenty-seven. So you know, just short of twenty years after it happened, and I was out partying with a great friend who actually I was friends with at the time the abuse was going on. We were still great friends then, so um, we'd had a few drinks, and and it just. It just came. I'd been thinking about telling somebody for a long time and it just came. And I cannot tell you the, the feeling of um, encouragement and, like I mentioned earlier, weight lifted off my shoulders when I told. And I knew it was, it was a good decision. I knew that was the correct decision for, for me at that time. Mm-hmm. I feel you. And um, there's something that I speak a lot about when it comes to, and I work with a lot of um, cis women. So um, I speak a lot about how our sex center is connected a lot to our throat. And when we start to connect our stories and our voice to experiences that we're having or have had sexually, it can be an activator of, of our, you know, it both activate each other. So the fact that when you, you opened your voice and you shared this thing that had been you know charged and holding in your body and that created a lot of sense of power it makes so much sense that you were reclaiming your voice through that experience and in that you're reclaiming parts of your wholeness through it so I'm curious once you spoke out that one time what led you to begin to go you know what not only am I going to talk to this one trusted friend but I'm going to really start to make a movement through this I I spent two or three years speaking to one person at a time. So after I spoke to the first person, I woke up the next morning. I I said to him, my mate, what we talked about last night, thank you for listening. I'm very fortunate to have people that I trust that I can tell. I, I must add that. And I just said to him, it felt really good. And I went about my day and I was like, we've dealt with it. It's excellent. 18 months later, it's back. I tell another person. Six months later, I tell another person, and now it just starts to snowball, and I start, start to tell all of my close friends. And then once I told my clo- each time I spoke, it was like the confidence was growing each time. And very interestingly, as the confidence was growing, it was, I could feel that the fear of what other people may think was reducing. It was like the confidence was kind of eating, eating away at the fear. And then I started to think, why shouldn't I feel proud, actually, that I've been through this thing? Why shouldn't I feel, why shouldn't I hold my story up high in victory? Why not? It was nothing to do with me. I was at an age where I was vulnerable, easily influenced. And unfortunately, I came across a man who took advantage of me manipulated me, brainwashed me so heavily into thinking that the game we were playing was special for our friendship. Mm-hmm. And now I am a man and I understand that that, is, that was nothing to do with me. And actually I came through something that was very 
horrific and traumatic. And it's about time that I stood up and spoke. But just to add to that, one of the igniters, the initiators of me feeling like that was once I'd spoken to, let's say, all of my close friends and their partners, so let's say 20 people by this point. And again, I want to add to anybody that out there that doesn't have a people that they can speak to who they trust, my heart will always go out to those people. I started um, getting very interested in what was going on out there with other people who had been through it. So I started researching online. I started Googling the topic and I came across a chat room where people were writing their stories. And I came across uh, uh, one message in particular. It was from a 70 year old woman. And she had written that she had never told anybody about what happened to her. And she feels that it is one of the main reasons that held her back in life. Mm -hmm. Her relationships, her relationships with her children, trusting people, her, her, even her employment, etc. And she mentioned that she would take the secret to the grave with her. And I was, and it just, it just hit me so hard. I had to read it a number of times. And then I was like, you know what? I'm in a position to speak my story and I should, I should start speaking it publicly. And that's when I started um, creating content online. But I wanted to find a way for me to improve the way I talk about it. And I'd heard about open mic nights in London. And an open mic night for anybody that's never been to one, you, you turn up, you sign up on the door and you get five minutes on the stage. You can be a songwriter, an, uh, a musician, a storyteller, a poet, spoken word artist. And that's what I started doing. I love that. So first of all, I really just want to go back and say, first of all, the open mic thing, let's park that there as a Google tab because that's amazing. Yeah. But let's go back to what you said about this 70 year old woman, because actually when you spoke that, I could feel my, my body just felt that. It's almost like the resonance of you reading those words and thinking, wow, okay, this woman at 70 is going to take that which she experienced to her grave. And even though she knows it's impacted those relationships she had with her children, with her relationships, with trusting again, she's taken it to her grave. And I just want to celebrate that even though for that woman, that that's a huge thing to hold. The fact that that initiated a part of you to go, I have the privilege here. I Absolutely. have the ability and the platform to be able to raise awareness here. So it's almost like through, through that, that voice, she's there, there's an initiation into you coming into your own bigger power to share more widely and to really have this voice heard. It was a real turning point. It was a real turning point. You know, I'd spent some months researching the topic, seeing how other people were going on. And, and you're right, it was the initiator, with the initiator, that I should try to do something with my story. Something. And speaking publicly was the first thing, was, was, was my first step. And, and so that's what I moved towards. So let's talk a bit about the, the open mic nights. And um, I'm super curious to know what did that feel like you know the first time because open mics not just about getting on onto the stage and being like 
hello everyone and just say whatever comes up there's creativity in that there's artistry in that there's something about holding a sense of authority as you stand on stage and i mean i can imagine that at most open night um open night mics that folks aren't bringing stuff like excuse me this is what's happening with me and this is what happened to me as a child i was sexually abused so the fact that you were able to bring that and bring the creativity into being able to present that in an art form is first of all incredible. But I'm wondering how you did that and how it felt first time. Well, the first open mic night that I went to that I knew I was going to speak at, my goodness, it was the first time I'd spoken out in public to people who I didn't know. And I had prepared a five minute piece and, uh, and it was, I'd done it as like a storytelling piece of the memories coming in at 24, speaking out for the first time and now arriving on stage. And I arrived at the venue and they have a list so you know what order you're going in. It's like two people before I'm going on and I'm like, oh no, just go, just go home. This is crazy. What are you even doing? You don't have to do this. But I just remembered the 70-year-old the lady. I remembered what I was there for. I remembered the plan. And I was like, you've got two options. You can go home. That's okay. But, or you can stay and speak. Which one is going to bring you closer to your aim? And which one is going to bring you the most progress? You have to go for that one. And I also said to myself, if you come off stage and it was the worst thing ever, then don't come again. But at least speak, because of course we know, once it's done, you are flying high. High as a kite. Yeah, so I spoke, I did my thing. I mean, it was very disjointed, you know, I forgot what I really wanted to say because it was my first time ever on stage, but I got off the stage and the support was incredible. I had the most incredible buzz and I knew that this was a platform where I can practice my story, keep writing how I'm going to tell it, say it in the most interesting way, try to capture people's imagination and speak out. So... Whew, that's I can, I'm feeling how much bravery that takes and I'm also feeling that that aftermath of you get off stage yeah all right whatever it was a bit of a mismatch because it was the first time you were on yeah. stage goodness fuck knows what you said up there <laughs> yeah. however it's the celebration and the support as you get down off that stage and folks are like what you're doing is amazing and there's something that I, I want to almost say, um, because I think that a lot of people that, that will listen to this will be inspired by what you're doing and be inspired by the fact that you're bringing your story into that sense of artistry and you're really making a movement through it. And what I see time and time again is that when we start to talk about, and I can speak um, personally from my own experience with um, sexual assault and rape, that when we start to talk about those experiences, there's something about the way it's received that makes all the difference. So the fact that you got off stage and peeps were like, wow, thank you. It elevates and it supports you to come back into wholeness again. It's like that sense of, I see you and you're incredible that you've lived through that, that you survived through that, that you're Absolutely. here. And um, 
there's something in it that the way we're received is so poignant in that moment. So when folks are thinking about sharing, it's like it could go either way. You know, if you shared it with someone who can't hold that space, who says the wrong thing, who doesn't, let's say, believe something or believe you, it completely will swing that out. So I want to celebrate you because that could have gone either way. You could have got up on stage and like, what bravery that takes to get up on stage and be like, bloody hell, I don't know these people. And for that to have gone so beautifully and to actually encourage you to, to continue to grow what you're doing. So first of all, celebrate so <laughs> But the next Thank thing you. I say is there's another layer to your story that I really feel and, and this bit I get really charged about this bit and I can feel the charge in, in how it's rolling out for you currently because it's a real lived experience that you're going through and that's particularly to talk about what is going on right now with the denial from the abuser and the experience that you're having with um with going through a process um through the justice system so please yes. talk about that the more I spoke about open mic nights, the more I spoke at open mic nights, I started speaking three, four, five times a week. I couldn't, it led me to keep thinking about where he was, what he was doing, the guy that, that abused me. And I couldn't get that off my mind. So I saw a statistic saying that um, perpetrators of children usually ha on average have between 50 and 100 uh, victims during their lifetime. So I couldn't get out of my head that it's quite possible that he's still trying to do, he's still doing this right as we speak. After toying with that thought for some time, I decided that I should try to find him. Um, so I started searching online and my aim was to meet with him and have a discussion to let him know what he did to me that it was wrong, how it's affected me, and that if he is still doing it, that he is to seek some method of stopping doing it. That was my initial idea. I found his wife on Facebook and messaged her and got a pretty terrible message back. So I advised them that He's got 24 hours to contact me. Otherwise, I'm going to have to go to the police and report it. She blocked me. So I reported it to the police. The investigation lasted nine months. It was quite grueling um, through interviews, explaining what happened in detail, etc. Um, not a pleasant experience, but a necessary, not a pleasant procedure, but a necessary procedure. So uh, after nine months of investigation by the police, the case was closed um, due to insufficient evidence. Now, many people get angry at the, at the police system or the police for this. And that's rightly so. We are angry that we cannot prosecute these people. However, this did happen in the 90s. No internet, no records, no nothing. So speaking being the only victim to come forward against him, the case was closed. There's not enough information there. So I was very angry that he'd actually denied it all. You know, if you're going to do something like that, be a man about it 25 years later and stand up and say, I, yeah, that's what I did. I did wrong. Something like 
that, right? But he denied it all. Made me very angry. So I decided that actually I wasn't going to stop there. I still want to see him and tell him what I think and what's on my mind. So I began searching for him again. And one thing led to another. Um, I found out a bit more about his wife and where she works and where he possibly works. And I ended up finding out where they live. And then I went and knocked on his door. Mm -hmm. And when I knocked on his door, the porch light came on. I didn't know whether he was in or not. And he answered. Now, we had a confrontation at the door for three or four minutes. There was no violence. Um, I kept calm, thankfully. Um, he was in a massive panic that I was there. He recognized me straight away. He was trying to get the door closed, but my foot was planted in front of it, and we had an exchange. He called the police, and I was arrested. And now I am facing charges of stalking and harassment for the messages I've tried to send them, and assault for pushing the door into him when he tried to close it on me. So now he's pressing charges against me, which of course anybody, anybody in their right mind is the completely wrong way that these things are going about. We have a trial coming up, um, a magistrate's trial, where I need to stand and explain myself and he and his wife are trying to get me punished for turning up at his door. This is not an ideal situation. We were never meant to, I was never meant to be on this side of the justice system. However, once my prosecution attempt against him failed, the, the, the abuse situation just obviously went away. It silenced. Mm. Now he's trying to take me to court. He is taking me to court. Now I will stand up in front of everybody. And when they ask me, which they will, why were you at his door in the first place? I will speak out again in front of him and his wife and the whole court system and explain why I was there and what I was doing there. So he's kind of kicking up the dust to his own situation that he wants to go away. So it's quite an ironic situation, but not a good one at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I really, for me, as you speak those words the same way as they created this sense of like what the fuck can we do about that you know when you, you feel the injustice yes. of going through the experience of reporting him and then there not being enough evidence to then um validate that going through um something happening with him um and for then that to be twisted, because even in that process of you coming forth, you sharing your story and, um, and facing him, how much energy that, that takes from you to pour your energy into that alone is huge, right? And let's even bring it back to the fact that like, this isn't your fault. You don't need to infuse your energy into this situation. But because this happened because of him, here you are. Yes. And with the tables then turning to it, to it then being even more of this, like, okay, well, I'm now in denial and I'm now pointing the finger at you for doing something yeah. wrong. It's like the injustice of this, the frustration in me, it's like it's boiling, like the frustration of how that has rolled out. And 
this is actually, I've not asked you this question before, so I really do feel like to ask this question, but also because I think that lots of people will also want to understand if there is a way, like, is there something that can be done to create support for you going through this process? And to also, you know, just switch back the light onto this man. Yeah. To say, hey, you are the abuser here. This is, this is you that should be going through the court trial. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not actually sure what can be done um, with regards to the system and, and the law and the justice system. For now, I think the best thing to do is to go to this trial, stand strong, not lose my temper. We're there for a reason, and that is to stand up against what is going on, entirely what is going on, with adults, children, and this subject, and the stigma around it, and it's kind of the attitude of, we're just not gonna stand for it anymore. Like, we're just not gonna stand for it anymore. And I suppose we'll, that we will see the trial out. Um, I hope that the judge understands why I was there and will not punish me, and we all walk away, and then I will just continue to speak about this subject from all angles, and um, never give up, and just try to break down the silence and the stigma around it that is definitely allowing it to thrive. What I really want is, with regards to him, what would be brilliant is if one day he comes across my material and knows that I'm talking about him, but also I will kind of use him as an example. He gave me a story, right? And I'm gonna kind of use him as an example. He will be sacrificed for the for, for the greater good um, and we may never prosecute him and we will have to be at peace with that I believe um, uh, and just keep moving forward in a positive direction. I hear you and celebrating that celebrating that clarity that you have in the sense of you know what he may never get prosecuted however there's something that you now have have here which and again, it's that, that word initiation, which that experience that you had, even though as a child, that is a, it is such a big thing to have. And it, it, it's a traumatic thing. And it's not something that we wish upon anyone. But what has happened here, and I believe sometimes it's like soul initiations. It's like this thing happened to you, but now you are making such waves. You have that clear vision. And, and as, I, as I'm speaking to you, it's almost like when you look towards the future like that, when you hold that vision, it's like all the shit that gets in the way. Yes, it's a bit fucking annoying. You have to shake it off as it goes along. But the vision's still there. And that's what you're working towards. Yeah. So let's just, let's like, create actually a moment just to really talk about and and put some flesh into that vision please speak to me and um everyone who's listening what is it that you would like to see so if you really like your work's here now and it's growing and it's getting bigger where do you want to be where do you want it to to get to so when i really dream big and like kind of reach for the stars i'm thinking about things like a tv series on Netflix that everybody's talking about, that f that's a drama that's got everybody hooked, that explains, that, that follows a character through, um, uh, a that follows the life of a survivor as their life unfolds. I'm thinking about getting on the stage of a festival like Glastonbury and, and giving like spoken word or something like that, which is happening now, right? 
um, to give some kind of performance with a live orchestra and, and characters on the stage. Um, yeah, I'm looking at like a live performance, like in a theatre style that grabs your imagination, that captures you, storytelling again, um, that possibly we go on tour with. And to encompass all of those individual ideas, really the goal, the mission, the aim is to create content that, that captures people's attention. Because this subject is so difficult, it's so uncomfortable, that actually if you were to come across any of it on your, on your social media feed, you're most of the time going to pass it by because it's just too distressing. But if we could just turn that and start to tell it, in, tell it using story, tell it using drama, TV series, to explain the subject, explain what's going on, explain the grooming process, explain how it can happen, and actually have people's interest, um, get people's curiosity, get people hooked onto a, a video or a film or... Um, that's the kind of kind of thing. And, and then moving further than that, of course, it's not just adults that I want to discuss this topic with, it's children as well. So if I could create something, if something could be created that we could go to schools with, um, that again, I don't want the children sitting there um, rolling their eyes that they've got another guy coming in and talking about something boring. I want it to be interactive. I want it to be... Um, create curiosity, create interest, kind of like some kind of drama, some kind of questions to the audience and, and um, yeah, to, to raise awareness with children as well would be an incredible thing. Um, to, to just get people very knowledgeable about what's going on, you know? I've had some people write to me, message me and, 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 ex and explain that they didn't think it was like that. Or I've had some posts recently about opening the discussion about talking to your children about sex or the grooming process. Of course, the different age children, we would address that very differently. Um, to 14-year-old, to a six-year-old or an eight-year-old. It's, it's all very different and they're very complex situations, but we should try to work out better ways of addressing them because they have to be addressed. And... Thank you, because actually what you just touched in on that piece around every single thing, I'm just, I'm holding that vision and I'm, I'm really there with you. As you spoke, I was just seeing how that would play out and it's super exciting to, to be a witness to that vision. But also to that, that last piece that you pulled in around actually getting the education in schools so children know. Yeah. What, yeah. what that process is like and know how to speak up about it, know how to use yeah. their voice. Yes. And, um, like you said, there's something in it around not just being another bloke that comes in and says a boring lecture, but actually bringing some, as you have been already, some of the artistry into it, how to involve and get people to say, wow, yes, I want to learn about that. It, it, it's, it's a creation process to, to, to bring people's minds and hearts into going, yeah, I, I'm here and I'm, I'm, I'm interacting with this. Absolutely. Thank you for seeing it in that creative way. Thank you for holding such a strong, clear and unshakable voice with it right now but also for bringing in yourself and your own artistry into it because it, it's so needed for these subjects so thank you 
problem. Um, so one last question, actually two last, because I want to make sure everyone knows where to find you. But the last question I want to ask is, if you could, like, as, as you know, how old are you now? 35. 35. So if you could go from 35-year-old you, look back into that, that spot when you were a child. So it's kind of linking into what we just said. If you could talk to that child now, that you, that younger version of you now, what would you say to him? I have two, I have two answers to that question. My first question, if I could go back and see that boy that I was during the abuse was going on. First thing I'd want to do was hug him, really hug him and just say, I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry for what, you've, what you're involved in. I'm so sorry that you are so heavily manipulated into thinking you're just doing something with a friend and it's a special game. Like, I'm sorry for all of that. The road ahead is going to be a tough, bumpy road. However, it's going to be nothing that you cannot handle. But my second answer to that is, I wouldn't say anything to that child. Because he is going to, when the abuse is finished, he's going to go till he's 24 and it not bother him. So actually, I don't want to tell him anything about it because he's going to box that up so wonderfully that he's going to be able to carry on his life, have his teenage years, have his time with his friends, enjoy his early 20s, and then when he's ready, he's going to deal with it. So actually, my second answer is I wouldn't say anything to him. I'd just act like it wasn't happening because it's happening. We can't change that. But the fact that he's going to be so incredible to box it up so securely, ready for when he's ready for it, then that would be my second answer. Mm-hmm. And both of those are super powerful. So thank you. That first one, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah I, it's it's just that feeling of wrapping your arms around him. Yeah. But also in the same time, like actually knowing that he's going to be all right those years and also when he comes out with all of the, the those pieces at 24 he's actually going to make a massive wave <laughs> in the world of course it's almost like that thing of like I, I often look back and I'm like I just have no regrets and I wouldn't change a thing just absolutely it's very important I feel because if you change some of those things in your early days it would have a knock-on effect to all the other things that happened after and maybe you don't want to change that maybe it happened in the right way Maybe we wouldn't be here today. Absolutely. Right? If we could change it. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you so much. And last, last promise, last question. How can folks support you? How can folks follow you? What, what can, what, where can we find you? What, what can we do to be with you? Yeah, brilliant. So, um, you can find me online. My name is Jeremy Indica. I'm sure the, the links will be in the description. And um, I'm running social media pages, posting using different medias. I'm trying to make short films. I'm trying to use work with illustrators to make cartoons. I'm trying to um, create memes. I'm trying to attack it from all angles. Check out my YouTube as well. Again, that's Jeremy Indica. We got a lot of short videos on there. And just come and check out my work. And you know, if you ever feel really strongly about any pieces, whether you agree or don't agree, please write into me because this is, we're trying to create something brand new here and the feedback is essential from everybody. So if there's something you feel, feel 
in line with, please write in. If there's something you want to challenge, please write in. Come and join the movement if you like. And, and let's just really continue working and aiming towards creating something that's useful. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I want to add that the more of you, anyone who's listening, the more of you that can follow and just celebrate up every single post, share those posts out, it, it, it spreads your voice wider. So, you know, if you want to share this podcast on your page, if you want to share it wherever you know to a family member to a friend it's going to create an impact just you talking jeremy and people hearing especially those who are survivors of, of child abuse it's going to make such a big impact so thank you please share this everybody that listens please share it um oh it's been such a good incredible grounded and important conversation jeremy thank you so much for taking the time Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Conversations with Pussy. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and family members. These important conversations are only heard the more and more that you choose to share them out. So if you wish to, you can always share on social media. Always tag me in on grace underscore 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 hazel. And that's via Instagram. And also don't forget to go over to Jeremy's page on Instagram, which I will leave in the show notes and send him loads of love and support. That's it from me today. I can't wait to connect with you again soon.